In Isaiah 41, we're going to read verses 17 through 20 together. Again, I will be conscious of the time, but just give me a little extra time tonight to reflect on the year and to just uh, emphasize God's Word in our hearts and our lives as we move forward. The Bible says here in verse 17, When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water, and the dry land springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar and the, and the shittaj tree and the myrtle and the oil tree. Basically saying, I'll provide shade when it's hot. I will set in the desert the fir tree and the pine and the box tree together. They, that, that they may see and know and consider and understand together. The hand of the Lord hath done this, and the Holy One of Israel hath created it. He says, here's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it in such a fashion that when you look back, you have to say, God did that. God did that. That's what we're trying to say this this evening. We want to look back. It's, It's good to look back. We can't live in the past, but it's good to look back and say, look what God did. God did that. And I want to point that out to you tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you fill me with thy spirit and help me. Help this be a sweet time for our church family. And help us to move forward to higher ground this year. And it's good to know where we came from so we can know where we're going. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, you don't see him as much anymore, but you guys remember when you would go to the gas station and you would see a picture of our president pointing at the price, saying, I did that. And uh, it's interesting how all politicians from all parties do this. You know, when the gas prices went up, it was uh, Putin's war that did that. When they went down, hey, look what I did for you. We all do that. It's what John F. Kennedy said, victory has a thousand fathers, but defeat is an orphan. And it's true. Nobody wants to claim defeat, but we all want to gather success, right? Let me ask you a question tonight. Is there anything in your life that you can blame on God? I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean in a positive way. Is there something that you look in your life and you say, God did that? God did that. Uh, It it was Him. See, somebody told me years ago, if you can explain it, God didn't do it. And I think there's some truth to that. We want to give God the glory because He does great things. He, He does amazing things. And I hope that you can look back in 2022 and say, God did that. Let me give you some context of the passage that we read. In Isaiah 41 and verse 20, God was going to do something in Israel that only He could do. And He wanted the Israelites to know He did it. Look back and say, God did that. And throughout history, we we see that God always provided for His people, especially those who were obedient and dedicated to Him. So in this chapter, God is dealing with a common issue that He dealt with His people. He's dealing with the issue of idols. And God, through His prophet, exposes the weaknesses of idolatry. He's basically saying, they cannot provide for you like Jehovah can. And He points that out. So the image here that Isaiah is using is he's reminding Israel of their wanderings in the wilderness and how God provided for their each and every need. Basically points out, did you need water? I I said, hit this rock, and water came out of a rock. Uh, You got to a a watering hole, and it was bitter. And I said, throw a stick in it. And I made the water sweet and fresh. You needed shade? I gave you a cloud that stayed right over you. You needed warmth at night? I sent a pillar of fire in the sky. I'm kind of curious what that pillar of fire looked like. I don't know, but 
Man, it was there. It was warming them. You needed directions? I gave you a GPS, man. I was GPS before there was such a thing. I, I, I led you. When I said stop, you stopped. When I said go, you win. I, I did all of that for you. You needed something to eat? I gave you manna. And you looked at it and said, what is it? But it tasted good. Every morning you got up and I fed you. Uh, you needed shoes? Man, I made sure the shoes on your feet when you busted out of Egypt, they never wore out. And you look back on all of that and you say, I can't explain that, but God did that. That's, that's what he says here. Well, again, only God could have done these things. No man could have done those things that I just listed. Certainly no idol made out of stone or wood could have done those things. And so I think about it tonight as we look back in 2022. What was done last year that only God could have done? Let's ask ourselves that question. Let's reflect a little bit. What was done last year that only God could have done? Now, there were four things that we were asking him to do. I do, I do not expect you to remember the sermon I preached a year ago. I know most of you can't remember what I preached this morning. But, but I, a year ago, I said, these are four things that we want God to do. But now I'm asking the question tonight, did God do those things? So I'm saying four works only God could have done for us. Number one, only God could save the lost, so did he? Last year, did God save the lost? You, you understand the theme verse that we used last year was, with man this is possible, with God all things are possible. Well, the context of that whole conversation that Jesus was having was with a man who was asking about going to heaven. And, and again, I won't spend a whole lot of time expositing that passage, but, but basically this man said, hey, good, good master, how can we go to heaven? And Jesus kind of puts him on the spot. Why'd you call me good? And he's trying to bring him to uh, understand who he is. Don't, did you call me good because uh, you, you think I'm good compared to others? Or did you call me good because you think that I'm God? He was probing him. And, and, and you know, that's, that's because it's natural for man to think that our good deeds can get us to heaven. But Jesus points out that no good deeds that you can do can cancel out your bad deeds. I mean, come on, we do this right. We, we might go through a drive-thru and get food we know is not real good for us, but we know it tastes good. And say, give me, give me a, 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 a number five and, and supersize it. In fact, give me two number fives and supersize it. Oh, and a, a Diet Coke, please. <laughs> and somehow we've convinced ourselves that if I, if, if I, if I do something good, then, then I can indulge in something bad. Listen, that's not the way our salvation works. You, you can't do a bunch of good stuff and cancel out your bad stuff. That's why we need a Savior. And so Jesus was probing this man. And, and he says to him, he, he exposes this man's dependence that he had on his wealth. And so he says to this man, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Not because that's what you need to do in order to go to heaven, but because this man was covetous, but yet he thought he was flawless. So Jesus was pointing out that this man was relying on his wealth and his riches uh, to uh, validate his success in life. And, and Jesus was showing him, no, you're a sinful man just like any other man and you need a savior. So this man said, I can't sell everything I have and give it to the poor. And he went away. And so Jesus turns to his disciples and he says this, classic words, you know these words probably. He said, it's easier for a, a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to heaven. Well, the disciples were like blown away with that. What, what, what is that? I mean, uh, if rich people can't get to heaven, how are, how's anybody else going to get to heaven? Because you've you got to understand their mentality. In the Jewish culture, it was deeply ingrained in them that prosperity was equated with godliness. And by the way, I think that that's kind of equated the way of Americans thinking. We think if we have a lot, well, God's blessed us. And we think about it in church life. If, if the crowd is large and the resources are great, then God has blessed us. 
But Jesus was pointing out that's not necessarily the case. This man was self-confident. He, he was sure that eternal life was something that was within his own power to gain and to do right things. And so Jesus was saying, hey, listen, riches might get you entrance into great things down here on earth. Listen, riches will buy you tickets to the Super Bowl. Riches will get you into all the fancy clubs and the VIP uh, uh, lounges and all of those kind of things, but they will not buy you entrance into heaven. And that's what Jesus was saying. And so the whole point, stay with me here, we're just studying the Bible for a minute. The whole point Jesus was making is he was saying this, it is impossible to get to heaven except through me. Man can't do that, but, but through me that's possible. With man, that is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Now think about that. The greatest possibility that, or impossibility that God made possible is that a sinful man like me and a sinful person like you could stand in the presence of a righteous God. And you think about that, that's impossible. But with God, it sure was possible. Man, that's fantastic. So what I'm saying to you tonight is when a sinner depends on Jesus Christ, he alone is the one that can say Now we're reflecting a little bit. This has been a burden on my heart. I think every pastor, it's good to have Brother Brinson Jennings with us tonight, passing through town, he's a pastor. I think he would agree with me when I say this. Every pastor would long to see more people saved through their ministry. Man, if I could see somebody saved every Sunday, morning, night, every Wednesday, every time we went out and knock on doors, man, that'd be awesome. I would love that. But we know that God gives the increase. We can't control that. And so last year, we said, I was burdened about it. I thought, I want to see more people saved in our ministry. But we stated very clearly, we can't control that. We can control going out and visiting. We can control giving invitations. We can control preaching gospel message. We can control talking to family members and friends. But we can't control who gets saved. That's God that does that. And so we were asking God to do that. Well, as best as I could keep track, last year we had 82 people saved in our services, our Bible clubs, our kids' crusade, we had 82 people saved. Now, I know there's some ministries that might say, well, man, that's all you had saved. We had this. Well, we're not in a numbers game. We're not trying to compare anything with anybody. We just want to see as many people saved as we can get them saved in our ministry. But you know, my record in 2021, and again, I want to give, give a little bit of leverage there. 2021, we were still all recovering from COVID and those kind of things. But we saw 43 people saved in 2021. We nearly doubled that last year. You know what I say tonight? Only God could do that. To God be the glory, great things He has done. 82 people got saved through our ministry here. Bible clubs, kids' crusades, services here. And that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Let's give God the glory because people got saved through our ministry. Number two, only God could build the church. So my question is, did God build the church last year? You know, no matter how hard you work, you cannot create an authentic harvest. Remember what Jesus said? I want, to, I want to quote you his words. He said this, I will build my church. And you can go to growth uh, seminars and you can read books. And I'm not saying those things are bad in and of themselves, but let me just remind everybody, it's God that builds churches. I love the fact that Jesus said, I will build my church. Pay careful attention to that. He didn't say, I will build my school. Now we have a school here. I'm thankful for it. And I hope the Lord will build it and grow it and sustain it and all of those things. But he didn't promise that. He promised to build his church. That's God's job. We cannot expect God's work from man. Uh, Again, I told you last year, I'll tell you again, church growth has been ingrained in me. It it has been and continues to be very important to me. And I've learned that most churches don't want to grow. They just don't want to shrink. That's why they respond negatively when there's lots of new people. They're in my spot. They're messing up my stuff. 
I always did that. Why are they doing that? I don't understand that mentality. I don't like that mentality. Church growth is important to me. And I think a lot of people, they, they don't necessarily want their church to grow. They just don't want it to shrink. Again, I want to remind everybody, we can sow in water, but we cannot grow the crops. We can preach and teach, but we cannot believe for people. We can invite, we can warn, but we cannot convert the lost. God must give the increase. The emphasis needs to be on God because no man can produce these results. Listen, I look around, there are a lot of people that are marketing the church, and they do a really good job at it. And I remind you that authentic growth is different than just numeric growth. True growth is God-given. Now that has some implications, and let me remind you, and I, I know tonight it's a little bit more pastoral, it's a little more family, but we need this. So let me just remind you of something, the implications of true growth being God-given. Implication one is this, we don't need to struggle to produce our own growth. Growth doesn't come from reading the right book. It doesn't come from listening to the right preacher. It doesn't come from attending the right church. Attempting to create growth ourselves leads to despair, and it often leads to compromise. You say, why despair? Because if we're not growing as fast as we should or as large as we should, then that can create despair. What's wrong with me? Why isn't my church growing? Why aren't we growing? What's, what's wrong with us? What are we doing wrong? That, that can create a sense of despair, or it can create a, a sense of compromise. Hey, I'll tell you what, I've had people say this. You know what? If we would do this in our youth ministry, we would reach more. If you would do this in your church, or you change this, if you lower this, or you do this, then you would reach more. Listen, if our goal is to get bigger, sure, compromise might be something we do. But if our goal is to let God work in us and through us and obey Him, then that changes the way we handle things. So that's the implication. The second implication I want to give you is we need to take pleasure in the growth that God does produce. So, uh, let me just state this. When God chooses not to give a bumper crop, you know, if you're a gardener or you're a farmer, sometimes God will give greater increases than he does in other years. And you, you might do the same thing. You might till the ground with the same tiller. You might use the same patch of soil. You might plant the same seeds that you bought from the same store, and etc. And some years God gives greater crops than he does in other years. And so if God chooses not to give a bump, bumper crop, we can be at peace because we pleased God by doing our part and let him do his. Let's just have full disclosure tonight. In 2022, we had some families leave us. I hate that. That hurts my heart. It, it often hurts my heart when we watch a year in video and I see faces of people who were with us last year who are not with us today. I'm not necessarily talking about death. That's the natural course of man. I'm talking about people who, for whatever reason, they've fallen away or they've left and gone somewhere else. I hate that. But the truth of the matter is, is the implication again is here, if I trust God to give the increase, then I know if that's what He does, then He is the one building and sustaining His church. But I also rejoice that when God chooses to give a bumper crop, we need to be careful that we don't become cocky and arrogant, but we, but we are humble and grateful. I want you to notice something in, in our... Uh, a video, did you notice that we had 33 family units join our church last year? To God be the glory, I said we had some families leave, but we had so many more come in than we ever had go. 33 family units. And I'm talking about that could be one person join, that could be a family of five join. Let me give you some attendance numbers. I know this isn't of everything, but I'm just, we're just trying to rejoice in God's goodness. Can we do that for a little bit tonight? Last year, 
we averaged in 2021, I should say that rather, in 2021, we averaged 258 in Sunday school. Last year in 2022, we averaged 305. We had a high day of 360 in Sunday school. That was probably time change when you guys woke up on accident. Our high day in 2021 was 312. And to God be the glory, that's quite a bit of growth. Did you know that last year in church, last year in the morning church services, we averaged 411. It was 336 in 2021. Nearly 75 in attendance average growth. That's fantastic. Our high was 532. We had a high day of 532 versus 414 last year in 2021. What did you, I know you're, I'm throwing out a lot of numbers at you, but, but if you pay attention to that, we had an average last year of what our high day was in 2021. Now, again, I know we were coming off of COVID and we were kind of rebounding from that, but, but I'm just saying to God be the glory. Look what he did. He built his church. We averaged on the dot 300 people in the evening services as opposed to 20, or 251 in, in 2021. We had a high of 376 in the evening service as opposed to 322 in, in uh, 2021. We averaged 294 on Wednesday night. And I'm so thrilled to say as a pastor, we have about 75% that come back on, on evening service. That's fantastic. I wish it was 100%, but that's, that shows the strength of the church. We had a high night of 339 as opposed to 272 the year before. God's built his church. I'm thankful for that. I don't say these numbers to try and impress anybody. I, I say these numbers to say, hey, I want to see where, where have we come from? Where are we going? Now, again, I told you, what if we decrease? What if our numbers aren't as strong? What if we don't grow at that rate? What, what if our numbers decrease? Hey, listen, are we doing what we're supposed to do? But we were asking last year God to do what only he could do. We asked him, grow and build our church. That's something only you can do. And he did it. To God be the glory. That's great. I love what Bobby Robertson, old country preacher, said. He said, sometimes the church is up and sometimes the church is down, but God is always good. I pray the Lord will give us that mentality. Here's the third thing we were asking God to do. Only God can send revival. Did he do it? I'm going to tell you tonight, the church does not need more money. It does not need more programs. It does not need more entertainment. What we need is heaven-sent revival. Uh, revival, I, I would define it this way, is a renewal of interest in something that results in it becoming popular once more. And so let me ask you, did God become more popular in our life last year? Uh, and that's a great question. I mean, did he, did he in our youth department? Because again, we show these activities and things that we do. We know that, that Nerf wars and bowling activities, that's fine, but that, that's, that's not what's driving what we're doing. And so my, my, my question is, yeah, we, we had fun and we, we, we did a lot of stuff, but, but was our heart stirred with a passion uh, to love him, to serve him, to know him? I mean, the missions trip, was, was that just an activity to go and say we did something? Or, or did it set our, our, our soul afire for something for Jesus Christ? And it's easy to let that fire wane, and, and we need to cultivate it and begin build it back up again. But we were asking God, send revival in my life. Because our Christi Christianity shouldn't just be going to church and, and keeping the 17 square inch area warm for an hour. It ought to be more than that. And I wanted God to revive us. Our Christian life ought not just be to, to listening to some sermonette or putting some a few dollars in the offering plate and singing just as I am and, and going out the same way that we were. I, I want God to do something in our life. 
You see, a revived church is a church that throbs with a divine passion that is marked by an authentic God-centered worship and an intentional and unstoppable commitment to the Great Commission. And I'm asking, did God do that in our lives last year? I hope we can answer it honestly. See, Just like it's clear that only God can save people, it's clear to me that only God does a work of revival to people that come to Him. So again, did God send revival to us this past year? Uh, I, I guess some, some ways that we can answer that is, how enthusiastic are you about the work that God's doing? Again, I'm not trying to chastise you tonight, but if you're like, ah, you know, we're usually out by now. Come on, preacher, hurry up. And I wonder if God did a real work of revival in your heart. Uh, hey, hey look, here's a great question. I put this down because I was trying to reflect on last year. Here's a good question. And I'm just pastoring for a moment. Can you, can you let me just pastor you for a second? Are you getting used to prosperity? I've told you, I think the ruin of America has been the prosperity of America. And if we do not take heed to that, the ruin of Oakwood will be, be getting used to prosperity. Meaning this, you, do you realize what happened this morning? We had three people baptized this morning. We had a family join the church. On Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, when many people were canceling services, we had one saved, one baptized, and another family joined the church on Christmas Day. And, and it's easy to sit here and go, so... That happens all the time around here. It's easy. Listen, I, if, if we're not careful, it will devolve into complaining. When things are so good, it can easily turn into, why aren't they perfect? Did you hear me? When things are so good, it can easily devolve into, why are things not perfect? It's easy to say, man, look, we, we fixed this and we replaced this, but why haven't we fixed this? Yeah, I know you did this, but how come I, I don't like how this is? Listen, listen, let's be very, very careful that we don't get so used to God's blessing that we start complaining. Isn't that exactly what the nation of Israel did? Ah, oh, we're free. This is great. This is great. Look what God did. This is awesome. And then all of a sudden, this is all we got to eat? I'm getting so sick of wandering around out here. Do you know how many days in a row I've had manna? I wish I could go back and eat the leeks and the onions and the garlic of Egypt. I always think about that. Man, there must have been some serious bad breath and B.O. in that crowd. <laughs> I said, that's what we had. We miss him those days. I'm not thinking right. Let's just think. The Bible says, oh Lord, revive thy work times of, thy, of the years, and I want God to send a revival. Let's have that prayer. Oh, Lord, send a revival and let it begin in me. Here, last question tonight, last evaluation. Only God can work a miracle. What miracle did God work in your life last year? You know, it's easy for us to limit God by our own limited thinking. Don't you love that verse, Ephesians 3.20? Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly, you have all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. God's able to do more than you can even fathom. What we see in that verse is God's ability to answer prayer. He is able to do, the Bible says, that means He's not dead, He's not inactive. He's able to do what we ask. He hears and He answers our prayers. He's able to do more. His expectations and abilities are higher than ours. So I ask you the question, what is it that only God could do in your life that He did last year? I hope that you have something that you remember God did. 
I, I just wrote down a couple of things. They're, they're little things to me, but, but only God could do that. You know, this last year, this was a blessing. Uh, I had really been praying. I'd been praying for quite some time that the Lord would give us 190 students in, in the Christian school. I really just kept saying, Lord, based on things that I was observing, thinking, God, if we could just get to 190 students, man, I think that'd be great from where we were when we started and where we were and what, what we need. Could we just get to 190 students? Uh, Abby might be able to correct me on this, but I think we have 203 right now. 205. Okay, I'm sorry. I was in a staff meeting. I was saying, you know, God answered our prayer on that. And Mrs. Linko piped up. She's not here tonight. Her, her dad had a fall. She had to take care of him. Uh, but but I, she piped up. She said, I was praying for 200. Well, she has greater faith than me. But God's able to do exceedingly abundantly beloved. All we ask to think. Only God could do that. Only God could do those things. You know, I, I hope this doesn't get too personal. But I, I, I want to say this. Uh, this is a blessing to me. It really is a blessing to me. I have spent... Uh, and I'm not saying this is me. There's a lot of people that have done this. But in my life, I'm just giving God the praise. I've spent, I've spent quite a, a, few, a few moments on my knees in humble submission asking God to give Lance and Lauren a, chi and Lauren a child. In three weeks or so, she's going to give birth to a boy or a girl we don't know. What a miracle. Only God could have done that. What is it in your life that only God could have done and he did it you didn't ever think he could do it but he did it whatever it is and some of you are saying man i know that was our theme and there was this thing you challenged us and i put it on my prayer list and i put it in my renewed journal and i prayed and i prayed and i prayed and god didn't do it well let me tell you don't lose hope he's able to do abundantly above all that you ask or think just because we had that theme last year doesn't mean it ended today but I promise you, as you look back, you might be able to say, hey, you know, there was that thing. I didn't think it was going to happen. I didn't think it could be done, and God did it. And I just want to encourage you as we move forward to higher ground tonight, whatever it is He has done, He can do more. He can do more. Let me, let me ask you some questions tonight. We're done. Question number one is this. Will you pray that God will continue to save people through our ministry? Just because that was our theme last year and that was our desire last year, I mean, I don't have that desire going forward this year. I sure want to see people saved in our ministry. I really do. Will you pray that people will be saved through our ministry? And let me follow up with this question. Who is it in your life that is still not saved and you're worried about, you're burdened about? Remember, only God can save them. Let's stay burdened about them. Number two, Will you pray for God to build our church even more again this year? You know, I, I hope that you're not thinking, well, I don't know, those numbers are pretty good. I like it. It's pretty comfortable right now. No, 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 no. We're pressing the higher ground. If God seems fit to send more people our way, praise God for it. I'd be happy if we could report next year that our averages increased and we lost no families. I'd be happy to report that. Will you pray that God will build our church even one more year? Number three, will you pray that God will revive us? Man, will you pray that our youth department will have a stirring passion for God? I'm not talking about nominal Christianity. We got enough of that, guys. We got enough of just going through the motions and just doing good things and be, saying yes, ma'am, and no, no ma'am, and you know, being good little kids. No, I don't want to just be good kids. Let's be godly kids. Let's make a difference. 
We pray our church will experience revival because only God can send that. And my final question is this, is this what, what miracle do you still need to see done? Maybe God didn't do it last year. But boy, it's still there and you know it. Hey, don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. God can do it. He's done some great things. And I know that He can do it moving forward as well. So as we close tonight, here's what I want you to do. Again, I'd invite you to come to an altar. I think that's good for us, guys. Let's not just get so, ah, you know, I don't do that. Let's move if God's moving in your life. Let's come to an altar if we need to. Let's make an altar out of our, out of our seed if we need to do that. But here's what I, I want you to do. Here's what I'm asking you to do. As a pastor, here's what I'm asking you to do. Look back on your life last year and say, what did God do? What did God do? And what do I need Him to do moving forward? Because I want to go to higher ground. And if we're going to get there, remember He said, lead me, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So again, David was saying, only God can get me to higher ground. So that theme still kind of persists and permeates. So let's just kind of reflect and analyze ourselves and our year and our church and our ministry, and let's move forward to higher ground together.